Nobody becomes strong by living a life of ease. We have to work hard. And the outdoors is one of the best workshops for this of all workshops. It is the ultimate lab for character. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. Y'all think I'm kidding, don't you? But Peak Refuel is absolutely the best freeze-dried meals I've ever I've ever had. And I was using them for my personal trips, uh, but then I was thinking, man, more people need to know about this. So now, if you're a listener of this show, you can get 20% off an order at peakrefuel.com uh, by using the code ASP. 20 at checkout. Try them out and let us know what you think. Hey friends, check out powder7.com, new sponsor for the Adventure Sports Podcast. I've worked with these guys for a couple of years and two of my sons have bought their most recent pairs of skis there. What's cool is that while they do sell new skis, they also sell previously used demo skis. And these demo skis come with demo bindings, so no need to remount anything. And they are sold for less than half of what you would have to pay otherwise. Great deal, great website, great people. Check out powder7.com. Hello, this is Jordan from Netflix. How may I help you? Hey, Jordan. I uh, was wondering, could I get 99 subscriptions to Netflix for free and then pay for the 100th? And then everybody, all 100 people could just use it? No, you could not. Why is that? Because we only give out one free trial per person, per household, actually. So there's no way that I can pay for one subscription, but like 99 other people use it for free? No, not that I know of. All right. Well, thanks anyway. All right. Well, thanks for calling Netflix, and I hope you have a great day. Thanks, Jordan. Look, I know we're not as entertaining as Netflix, but even to them, it sounds ridiculous to have a service for absolutely free. And the truth is, 99% of podcast listeners don't support the shows that they love. And just like something on Netflix, you know, we have production costs, we have hosting costs. There's a lot of costs actually associated with this show, and it takes money and time to produce. So in this season of giving, we ask you, would you like to become a supporter of our show? Because we don't support this show for everybody. You know, this show is, is a niche. Not everyone's going to like listening to adventures from all over the world. But you guys do. And when you become a patron of the show, you basically get the upper hand in influencing what we talk about, who we talk to, and what you want. Because you've shown us that you're a super fan of the show. And that's why we wanted to make it easier for you to support the show. So... There is the ability to support the show for $5 a month at patreon.com. But now, there's the ability to support the show for a dollar a month. Come on. We've got to be worth $1. Not only do you get to influence the show, you get the satisfaction of knowing you're making this thing happen. So join us in making the Adventure Sports Podcast the absolute best show it can be. Thank you.
Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Um, today I have a pretty unique guest. He's the president of Southern Utah University. He has quite an adventure resume himself, as well as a pretty unique outlook on, on the outdoors and trying to implement that into the life and uh, student life of his university. Uh, so Mr. Scott Wyatt, welcome, uh, welcome to the show. Oh, happy to be here, Mason. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Now, I, I know that you, I, I read up on you, and I know that you do, um, your expertise is far greater than just the outdoors, uh, but we would love to focus on that for the show. So, uh, you know, you, you were president of a, of a different university, and you, you were a lawyer at one time, um, but, but how has the outdoors been, you know, a part of your life? through through your education and through your adulthood um well it um it all started as a kid and it has kind of stayed with me my dad uh, used to say you know what you should you should learn to hike and get outside because no matter how bad things get you know whether you run short of money or anything else this is a hobby that you can always do and uh and we had some great times as um, when I was a kid and 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 I'm still loving it it's um it's a really important part of my life and and it's an important part of what I'm trying to accomplish at Southern Utah University man so so did your did your dad use it to as a as a retreat from the grind of life or or have you used it for that purpose yeah, I've used it for a lot of purposes, actually, um, and they're pretty wide uh, in range. So, for example, a couple months ago, I was really struggling with uh, an issue that I have to deal with on campus, uh, trying to get a presentation put together, and and I couldn't get my mind focused on it because there's just so many distractions. You know, every time I turn around, somebody's got a question or the phone rings. So uh, one morning I just said, I'm, I'm leaving the office and I, we've got this hike here in Cedar City. It's about a 2000 foot up, uh, in about four miles. So it's a fairly strenuous little hike. And, um, so I cleared my calendar that morning and I went up and down and up and down twice. And by the time I had completed it, I had everything all worked out in my mind. It was just a great time to, to be alone, to focus, to have nature around me that helped me be, I think, more creative. Um, and when I'm moving along at a reasonably good rate, you know, I I don't have, I'm, I'm able to really focus in on what I'm doing and what I'm thinking and really helpful. I wish I could do that every week, you know? Is it hard for you, too, to get out the door sometimes? Because it is for me. And I'm not nearly as busy as you are. <laughs> well, yeah, I I have no control over my life. I have very little control over my life, it seems, because there's just so much to do. And as a university president, um, I I'm busy at least five nights a week, um, and every day of the week. So the only way I can find time is I have to I have to schedule it somehow, but. But then things happen, and I and I lose some of that control. Just never know what's going to appear each day. Right. Um, yeah, I know that your 
I had never even spoke to you scheduling this meeting and I just, I knew that would be the case, but even despite having such a scheduled, uh, uh, scheduled out day week, there's still probably so many unexpected turns that you have to take and things that have to adjust. And I'm sure it just compounds hour by hour by, by day. And so, yeah, I, again, I appreciate you being on the show. Oh, you're, you're welcome. This is something I enjoy talking about. Well, you know, you, you know, you, you do use this as a break from your life and you also encourage that on the university. But before we get into that, you're also an experienced mountaineer. You've climbed some big peaks, uh, Denali, Kilimanjaro, Elbrus. Is that all correct? Right, right, yeah. Has that Have those skills developed over time as well, and is that something you strive for even today, or was that before you took on these big, big, big positions? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah these, these things develop. You know, I don't think anybody's born a natural in anything except for maybe sleeping and eating. Yeah. I think those are talents we all have. But College kids are good at it. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Throw an event and have food, and you can usually get them. Now, this uh, mountain climbing for me started uh, 24 years ago. Actually, it was 24 years ago because um, um, I remember that because uh, next year is the 25th anniversary of um, my first state high point. And I have two left. And I'll have hiked the, all 50 high points. And I'm trying to think if I could... Finished the 50th one on the 25th anniversary day, but but nevertheless, uh, 24 years ago, my brother and I, Gordy, were talking about hiking the Wonderland Trail. So I'd always hiked mountains and gone on backpacking trips and day hikes, but I had never done anything that was, you know, that really required a great investment of time and learning skills and stuff. And so... We decided to do the Wonderland Trail, which wraps around Mount Rainier. And the closer we got to doing it, the more we thought, we can't walk around this mountain without going to the top. So, <laughs> and that's a, that's a challenge. Yeah, so we just went down and bought Freedom of the Hills and started reading it and buying gear and um, no experience, uh, no conversations with experienced people. It was just here's a book. I've read it. I bought all this gear. I think we can pull this off. And we went up to the top and, um, or hiked it and didn't quite, uh, get to the top because of different things and came back the next year and summited. Um, and then just continually learning, you know, just continually learning this, this year, I learned a whole bunch of new things about, um, weight and packing and blisters. It's, always something to learn um and it makes it easier as you get older like me <laughs> well yeah if you're if you're a learner you can you can achieve just about anything so so that first climb you know that's kind of uh that takes some guts man because i i looked into doing it and it was a little early in the season rainier that is and it was just so much i didn't know i'm not much of a mountaineer like here in colorado you can wear shorts and a t-shirt almost to the top of a 14,000 foot mountain in the middle of summer. That is not the yeah. case near the coast. 
um, especially Rainier, that is a mountaineering mountain. So did you feel underprepared um, on that first attempt? Or like, man, I'm, we are yeah. way in over our head. <laughs> yeah, I think we've, you know, it was one of those funny moments. I remember waking up at um, Camp Muir. We've got all of our gear. Our pack is overburdened because we don't want to miss anything. And um, get up at 2 o'clock in the morning, get our things ready to go at, th- at 3. At 3 a.m., we've got all of our clothes on, and we're tied up. We start walking out of the camp, and we make it about, <clears throat> I don't know, 50 yards, and we're overheated. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, oh, hey, we've got on too many clothes, you know? It was really cold standing there. So it's just from there all the way till now when um, it used to be that I couldn't go anywhere with less than 55 pounds. And now I can go for a week to 10 days um, with less than 25 pounds. Yeah. I was going to say 55 is heavy. (laughs) Really heavy. But back, you know, 25 years ago, that's what everybody was doing. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that. Yeah. That's right. When you started that, that is the case. Um, but yeah, I, I do a lot of backpacking. I, I outfit people for trips and we try to tell them like, keep it around 30 pounds, even for first timers. And it is really hard still to do for, for, especially when you're new, you want to bring the kitchen sink with you. Yep. That's right. takes a while to learn what you actually need and what you don't. Well, neat. What, so, you know, you've done, 48 what what are the two that are left because you did the hardest one denali i've got all the hardest ones done okay. and i've got all the easiest ones done okay so uh florida's out of the way yeah florida's out of okay. delaware <laughs> delaware is actually one of the more dangerous ones because the high point is in the middle of a road oh, there, you have to watch the traffic yeah i've got maine and new hampshire left katahdin and baxter and mount washington in um new hampshire Awesome. Yeah, that, those are those are fun ones. Those are going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, I've saved them for the last. I've, I'm looking forward to them. Well, um, you, you also did something pretty unique uh, just a few months ago, which was the Grand to Grand Ultra. And that is, it goes from the north rim of the Grand Canyon to um, High Point and Grand Staircase. It's about 170 miles of running. How different was that than the mountaineering experiences? What what was the inspiration? <laughs> so I have um, this is in my backyard, and I I love to go backpacking, and I always try to find one week each year, at least one week that I can take off for for five or six days, and um, and I was thinking about what to do this summer. Missed it last summer; it just didn't happen. Um, and so one of my friends tells me about the grand to grand ultra and I thought, well, that sounds like a backpacking trip in a hurry. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I went out, I I actually went out to the site, uh, visited with the producers of the event and talked to them and saw the runners coming in. And I just got inspired by this. I thought, well, here's something I've not done before. I've, I've backpacked 
as far as 150 miles and I've gone up high mountains, but I've never kind of done it like a race, you know, where, where, um, you get together with an international community and, and do a quick backpacking trip together. It was great fun. Had a great time. Um, I've never really been a runner, Mason. I've just been a hiker and climber. And so what this required was is that I find a way to speed it up. Um, and I and uh, there were three of us on campus that decided to do it together. The other two are marathon runners and a lot younger than me. So I knew that um, I would be the one slowing us down. Um, but we had a we had a fun time preparing for it. The training was a little challenging for me to get enough time. Um, but there were, there were people from, uh, 22 different countries. We were running with guys in kilts. Um, uh, the first place winner was from China. The second place winner was from, uh, Spain. There was this great community. We, we made terrific friendships with four people from the UK, learned a lot about these kinds of things. And I'm ready to go do another one. It was wow. super fun. We started. We started on the north rim of the Grand Canyon. We never entered the national parks, so we were east of the park, but still on the the north rim of the Grand Canyon. <clears throat> and just standing there in my backyard, watching people from all over the world um, look at the Grand Canyon for the first time. Thought, this is really fun. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. This is my backyard. This is my. This is where I live. And yeah, that's so ridiculous. <laughs> And then we wow. took off and wandered around up and got um, west of Bryce Canyon. Um, and uh, uh, it, anyway, it was just absolutely a spectacular time. We did it as a fundraiser for the school. We had students following us along, and they put together a little documentary. Um, and when is that coming out? Because it's, it's not out yet, correct? Not out yet. Um, the trailer's out. You can Google it. If you Google S-U-U Grand to Grand, you can see the trailer on YouTube. Perfect. I, and, I'll uh, provide a real, link for that. Yeah, and the real movie is coming out the first Monday of December. So that's when they're going to air it. But this is a student program. So the <clears throat> I think that they are weaving into this themes that have been really important for me in my life, and they're really important for me as the president of the university with all of these young students. And that is, no one becomes strong by living a life of ease. It doesn't happen. You can be given gifts of things, possessions, items, but no one can give you a gift of character, of discipline, grit. Those things that those are things that we have to build ourselves, and there's a lot of places to earn those kind of character traits. You can develop that learning to play a musical instrument, or being a member of an athletic team, or learning to learning a foreign language, or you know anything like that. But but one of the great ways to do it is out of doors, that pushing yourself to to do really hard things that pulls the physical, the emotional, and the mental all together um, and creates a reservoir in us of memory of 
success with challenging things. And then when difficulties come and we get all anxious and discouraged, uh, all we have to do is say, but I've done harder things in my past, so I, I can do this. Of all the things that I'm hoping the students at, at my university develop, it's grit. It's grit. That's what carries us through. Um, we certainly haven't learned everything by the time we graduate. We have to keep learning. Absolutely. Um, and we have to keep developing our character. But grit, grit is the most important thing we can develop in our youth. I remember on my first bike trip, we were on the Alaskan Highway, my buddy and I, and we were absolutely total idiots. We had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> we ran out of food a bunch, and it really kind of scarred us because I remember being so, I remember crying one time thinking about key lime pie because <laughs> we were so hungry, and it was we were so far from the next uh, spot to get food. And it kind of scarred me, and my wife even makes fun of me now because I tend to way overpack, even for day trips. And I don't really have to do that now because, uh, you know, we, we buy from Peak Refuel, and they have these awesome freeze-dried meals. Uh, it's lightweight. It weighs almost nothing uh, when there's no water in it. And it's a lot of food. It tastes awesome. So gone are the days of carrying way too much food. And hello to the days where we're only carrying Peak. If you'd like to give Peak Refuel a try, just go to their website, order some food, and at checkout, just use the code ASP20 at checkout to get 20% off. So give them a shot. Do you find it difficult to transfer a grit from something you experience in the outdoors, like climbing a mountain, um, running a race that's incredibly rewarding. Do you find it difficult to transfer that sometimes back into just life in the sense of things that might not be as exciting to you? Um, it's um, sometimes, but for the most part, it transfers very well for me. I, I can be sitting in my office thinking, Oh, I've got to get this project done and I'm just tired, you know, I'm worn out. I've got all these things on my mind, but I've got to focus all of my thoughts and it's going to take me six or eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours. It's late. Um, how am I going to get through this? And my mind will go back to the time that I climbed Denali where we hiked all night long where the temperature with wind chill was a hundred below. Um, and, and I think, you know what, I can, I can, uh, I can do this. I can do this. I, I have done things really hard in the past. I can do this. And, and it has carried me through a lot of, um, of work and personal challenges in my life. It's been fantastic. I, I started doing some of my biggest adventures while in college and I would say that that was the most valuable aspect of my education was not necessarily the facts or, that I learned, but it was the principles to live by. And it was education that first opened those doors. And one reason I was very excited to reach out to you is um, 
I would say my education was learned on a bicycle while in school, as well as in the classroom. <laughs> and yeah, there, there, it's everything that's brought me to where I am today. You are, but but the problem was my friend and I that did this together. We were very alone at our school. It was in the south. It was in Florida. Um, you know, everyone wanted to hang out at the beach, which is neat, but no one wanted to go to the mountains in Alaska or or out west to do something really really challenging. Or even, you know, anywhere along the East Coast. But you're providing a very, very uh, approachable way for each and every student at the university to experience those kinds of things in their life. One, because you're, you're right there. Your school has over almost sure. 20 national parks, monuments, and recreation areas within a half a day's drive. How are you guys utilizing right. that location to... to to provide those experiences for students. Yeah, this, um, yeah, our, you're right in the number of national parks and national park units. It's, there's a huge number. And the closest one is 20 minutes. If, if we go from our campus, uh, five minutes, there are several stunning hikes. You don't even hardly have to leave city limits. Unreal. Um, Golly. Beautiful red sandstone rocks and canyons, uh, gorgeous um, um, slot canyons right on campus, um, native Indian art on rocks in city limits and all outside. It's really an amazing place um, and a pretty cultured place, actually. We've, we've got a Tony Award winning Shakespeare theater and all kinds of music, arts. But this this idea that we've got so much nature around us, yeah, we have uh, we have a semester in the parks program where students can study for a whole semester in Bryce Canyon National Park. Faculty go up there and teach, so it's like a field trip for the whole semester. Wow. Um, we do the outdoor challenge. Um, and what is we that? Go out and so this is the outdoor. Uh, nation. This is the uh, nonprofit foundation. Um, it's connected with the Outdoor Realtors, where we met last year. Yes. Uh, and um, this is a contest among colleges to see who can score the most points and win the national title of most outdoorsy university in the country. And every time we enter it, we win. Um, <laughs> and that's really fun for me because I'll. You know, we'll all meet um, students every morning at 6 a.m. for a quick hike and a quick jog. And I remember uh, once walking across campus and this um, this guy walks up to me and he says, hello. And I says, what's your name? And he and he told me and I said, oh, oh, I've never seen you in the light. <laughs> oh, that's we had hiked a bunch of times in the dark as part of this contest, but I'd never seen him in the light. So I didn't know what he looked like. That is too funny, um, man. But. But we're out on field trips all the time. Yeah, it's, I read that you guys provide uh, very cheap rental gear and also 50, 50 free outdoor adventures that students can go on every year. Yeah, constant. Um, there are unending opportunities here from rafting, climbing, hiking, canyoneering, lots and lots of things. Um, we have tried to make this uh, an integral part of the education. It, a year or two years ago, we had um, on the anniversary 
of the National Park Service. We, we set the world's record for the largest field trip ever. And we had about 4,500 students, faculty, and staff participate in a field trip on that anniversary day. So this would be the first Thursday of our fall semester. And it kind of sets the tone for what we're trying to do in smaller ways. But in this big event, 450 different people, more than 100, 400, 4,500 participants, more than 100 separate field trips. Some of them had large groups, some of them very small. Um, art faculty took students up the canyon to paint. Engineering students took them to a national park to show them um, rock structures. Um, geology students, of course, took them uh, out. Dance students went and and performed dances on the rim of Bryce Canyon. Um, our athletic um, department took a bunch of students up to do service projects. Uh, we get involved in um, in helping to build and maintain trails. If, uh, if a student comes here and really doesn't care for the outdoors, they still have a great experience, but um, we're trying to get everybody as much as possible involved in some way or another um, with that. And, and there's a ton of research, you know, that this supports education. It <clears throat> Being outside in nature, um, leads to more creativity. Um, it helps us retain things that we're studying. It um, gives us more energy so that we can fuel our way through studying. And as we've talked about, it helps us build the ultimate skill that students need to develop, and that's grit. Um, my dad goes to college, or my dad went to high school and he took college algebra. He then went to college and took it again, didn't do so well, took it a third time, did okay, passed the class, but didn't feel like he learned it. He ended up taking it by correspondence course, which would be today's lingo online. He took it a fourth time. His goal was to become an electrical engineer, and he knew he had to learn math, but it was really hard for him. Yeah. In the end, he accomplishes uh, a PhD in electrical engineering. And um and he tells me that one of the main reasons why he was able to do that and be a successful engineer was not because he was naturally brilliant because he wasn't. Um what he was was um is that he had this ability to just keep working and keep trying. Um so the fourth attempt to finish college algebra, he finished it successfully and understood it. He continues. He gets his bachelor's degree. He goes on and gets a Ph.D. Um, he's teaching now Ph.D. students and doing some very high level research. And um, and he still struggles a little bit with math. <laughs> I mean, most people would say ah, this isn't for me. It's too hard. Um, I need to pick another major. I'm not going to be an engineer because math is too hard. But the fourth time through, he got it. And then as he's teaching, he he still recognizes that it's a little bit hard for him. So he would stay up late at nights um, preparing detailed notes for his lectures the next day 
so that all of these super complex equations that he has to work through in the class with these doctoral students, that if he stumbles, he can refer back to his notes and, and help him get through it. Well, after doing that for several years, he looked at his notes and said, wow, this is a book. <laughs> wow. I just need to finish it up. So he took it, finished it up, and then that became, um, literally, it became the number one text in that subject in the world. Uh, and people who are consultants and dealing with radiometric calibration, a term that kind of escapes me because it's way over my head, um, are looking to that as the preeminent source of information on how to do it right. He was doing uh, research in outer atmospheric uh, matters, and um, it all came because he developed grit, not because he was naturally smart. And this is the message I'm telling students all the time. If it's hard, then be happy, <laughs> because hard leads to strength of character. Easy never does. So for those that everything comes easy, I feel badly for them, because they they miss out on this um, ability or need to forge character in these really difficult times. Um, and I and I talk about this with students. You know, what do you do when you're on a mountain and you're freezing to death and you've still got a long ways to go and your backpack is heavy and you're going uphill? Um, do you quit or do you keep going? And... Um, and the same thing when you're studying for a final exam. Do you quit or do you keep going? Same thing when you're learning a musical instrument. Do you quit or do you keep going? Um, nobody becomes strong by living a life of these. We have to work hard. And the outdoors is one of the best workshops for this of all workshops. It is the ultimate lab for character. Wow. And that's, that's so awesome to hear from the president of a university that just, just was, it was so far from our case in, in Disneyland, Florida, where, where, where I went to school, <laughs> I felt me and my, my friends and I felt so alone in our pursuits. And I remember after that first trip, it took up the whole summer between my sophomore and junior year. And I got back to school and I, I was so awestruck by the experience that I could, I couldn't even think to focus on class and I ended up failing a bunch of classes and I had to retake <laughs> them all. But it, it took a while for me to learn like, oh, I, I can transfer these uh, skills to the classroom. If, if, if this university would have actively been um, seeing that and, and developing that and cultivating yeah. that mindset, man, I can't, I can't imagine. Well, I probably wouldn't have failed, first of all, but I'm sure that's led to good things in itself. But I, it's just neat that there's a school out there that's that's focusing that heavily on a, on exactly the same thing. Trans, yeah, transferring skills is enormously important. Um, what I learned um, hiking a mountain helps me do my job, even though it has nothing to do with out of doors, my job. Um, in the same way that uh, a student who majors in business um, needs to learn how to transfer the skills they learn in business to a job that she ends up working that may really not be that much related to business. You, you know well that um, there's a huge percentage of students who aren't working in the field 
that their major was. That after yeah. graduating, they're, they're working in something that's almost unrelated. But the skills we develop in getting that bachelor's degree um, help us develop discipline, stick to itness, all these kind of traits, and they propel us in a variety of um, endeavors. <clears throat> my, my undergraduate degrees, I had um, a dual major, so I majored in two different things, economics and philosophy, um, and then went to law school. And all of those things inform my life as a university president, but, but none of them are management. <laughs> none of them are leadership. None of them are directly related to fundraising or um, working with the legislature on funding or different things like that. We, this, is, this is one of the reasons why the American higher education is unique, and that is we have this thing we call general education or a liberal education, the breadth that if I'm studying a certain discipline, then I, I study a whole bunch of things that broaden my understanding of the world and cultures and people. Um, because I'm going to work with people and uh, my career is going to take some shifts. If our education is too narrow, then how do we adjust? This is a big dynamic world and transferring skills from one thing to the next is enormously important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I studied uh, biology, and I run an outdoor startup, co-run, co and, and host a podcast. Those two <laughs> things are not in any way related to what I studied, at least. But it built this foundation of just opening the world up. And people say, you know, do you regret going to school for what you did? And it's like, absolutely not. Like, it... You could never know what a different path would, would, would lead, but I'm just so excited about the path that, it, that it's been and what it will continue to be, and it's so unpredictable that it's honestly exciting. And so um, for you, I'm sure you don't, but do you ever get to the point where you feel like things are getting easy or you're getting a rut um, and you have to shake things up a little bit? Oh, I wish. Oh, I wish I could feel like I was in a rut. <laughs> every day is such a, every day is such a new challenge, and um, we're trying to be so creative. We've got all these. Um, it sometimes feels like education is in a rut, but we're doing everything we can to to not be in it. Um, we're trying to find new ways to help students uh, graduate. We're trying to figure out how to help them through the anxieties that young people have. We're trying to help them figure out how to get outside and get some sunlight, you know, and some exercise. And, and, um, and how, do we, how do we tie all of the different classes together? We've done some pretty amazing creative things with general education and in some of our major disciplines. Um, I constantly am asking myself, when am I going to feel like I'm in a rut? Because I'm going to enjoy those few days. <laughs> it's just, oh, man. It's just, Jeez. It, it just, everything changes. Everything changes. If I was to read my schedule to you, you'd think, wow, you don't do anything twice in a week, do you? Wow. <laughs> no. Yeah. no, I don't. Have you, have you had any resistance um, from the university on incorporating 
the location you're in and, and getting students outside into does anyone ever accuse you of of maybe too much recess <laughs> um you know we we um yes and no the answer to that mason some people some people think that um any time that we focus on the out of doors is suggesting that maybe we're not quite as serious of a university, um, that we should be talking about opera and physics and foreign languages and philosophy, Descartes and all these kinds of things. But all of those subjects are benefited by the out of doors and we're finding ways to do that. We did, uh, a few years ago, shortly after I arrived at Southern Utah University, we we started a major um, campus-wide effort to build a new strategic plan and pulled in faculty, staff, students, community members. One of the themes that um, emerged was experiential education, the kind of education that is not just simply uh, taught in a class, um, but experienced. And um, and another major theme was the out-of-doors that are around our campus. So it's really been quite easy to pull all this together. And when we announced that we were going to do a campus-wide field trip, where we're going to take a day off and everybody's going to go to the mountains or to the deserts or the canyons. There was just enormous support for that. We brought in dozens of buses and vans and, and everybody took off. And I think that the, the faculty were just as excited as the students were about it because they got to present their subject in a new way, you know? Yeah, no kidding. Being able to dance around, I mean, Bryce Canyon. And if you don't know what Bryce Canyon looks like, please, please look it up. It is, it is otherworldly. And for you to be in that setting is, I mean, it, coming back to a theater doesn't compare. No, it doesn't really compare. You've got the greatest amphitheater in the world. <laughs> exactly. And, um, yeah, exactly. The, um, the executive director of the Bryce Canyon Association Gail Pollock is um, fond of saying that Bryce Canyon is the eastern campus of Southern Utah University. So that's funny. We take every opportunity we can to get up there, and we have a little facility in the park that we have access to as often as we want. Too spectacular. Um, but you know, you talk about majors. You know, I I sit here now and I think I wonder if I should have majored in outdoor rec, but. My whole life has been a major in outdoor rec <laughs> in some ways. Right, right, right. The Adventure Sports Podcast is also brought to you by Powder 7 Ski Shop. Powder 7 is Colorado's premier homegrown and family-owned ski shop. Online at powder7.com, they offer a huge selection of new and used ski gear, plus full tech and boot fitting services at their shop in Golden. With personalized customer service, they set up skiers from all over the world with perfect gear. From brands like Kessley, Rosignol, Black Crows, and Head, Powder 7 is all skiing all the time. So check out powder7.com to learn more. Now, back to the episode. So what what exactly is next for you? What's on your agenda with um, with the university and then personally? 
outside of the uh, the high points? I um, that's a that's a really um, good question. This this year was my um, this grand to grand ultra marathon, six stage self supported race. It was actually my first race. I've I've not run uh, an organized 5K before. Wow. <laughs> what For a, a guy what that a jump. Just, <laughs> yeah, what a jump. Go big or go home, right? Amen. Um, That's what I'm talking about. For a guy that I'm two and a half years from 60, and and um, a year ago, I thought, well, hey, maybe I should do this race. So I don't know um, everything that's, it will come, but I'm, my plan is to make sure that I remain active and to make sure that I bring students and family and others along. I've got a few more mountains to climb and I've got big ones and I've got, um, a few, a few more rivers to canoe down and I've got a few more trails. I, right now trails are my favorite thing. I just love to get out and and go for a long hike, short hikes early in the morning that are steep and, and require a lot of effort. Um, so I don't know exactly what's next, but something interesting will pop up. You know, you guys are obviously leading the charge with, uh, being the winners of the outdoor nation on campus. And, uh, you know, you're kind of dubbed the university of the parks and the most outdoorsy university in the country are do you think that other schools maybe in beautiful locations are underutilizing just what they have to offer and is there something that you Uh-oh. want to do about solving that yeah i think there's a lot of schools that are underutilizing it um, we can't separate ourselves from the place where we are and every place has something wonderful about it. Um, and, and the more we take advantage of the world around us, um, the more rich our lives become, you know, they, we get out, we, we get to experience life on multiple dimensions instead of just one or two. And we get to learn subjects in multiple places, not just, not just, um, from one perspective and and a lot of times when we're outside you know one of my hopes was that on this um, grand grand ultra marathon was that I would really get to learn something about other cultures and people that were new to me uh, did that happen yeah it really did happen so so I can give you an example of that I when I go when I go backpacking um, I always take, if I take a tent, I usually don't, but if I think there's a lot of mosquitoes <laughs> or pants of rain, then I might take a light tent. But if I take a tent, then it's a one person tent because I like to, I like to have some quiet time by myself and don't want to listen to snoring. Um, <laughs> so when I, when, when we did this grand to grand just a couple months ago, one of the things I was sort of nervous about was that we were assigned tents and I ended up in a tent with four people from the UK, two men, two women, 
And I'm thinking, oh, gee, I'm going to have to change my clothes in my sleeping bag, and it's not a big sleeping bag. And uh, I'm going to have to listen to people snore and uh, kind of share all this space uh, with, with everybody else. And I just, I'd like to have my nights alone where I can just be quiet and think. But what do you know? That, that became the highlight of the whole trip for me was um, developing these friendships and talking to people and learning about other people. That, that was really spectacular. Um, Southern Utah University has um, partnerships with a number of uh, universities around the world. And in particular, in China, we have some very important relationships. So I end up going to China. Uh, once or twice a year, and if possible, and it happens about half the time, if I'm there for a week, you know I'm entitled to one day off, right? Aren't I, Mason? I'm <laughs> in another country for a week. Yeah, yeah. Come on, you, you, know, you deserve that. Am I entitled to like, like a Saturday off or something? Mm. Um, so, I, and our friends over there will take me to a mountain, and we'll go hike some mountain. One of my one of my goals is to hike the five sacred mountains in China, and hopefully by the time I'm done, I'll get those completed. We've done a couple of long hikes. The United Kingdom has um, a lot more interest in walking than than in uh, than we do here in America. There's all these long trails, hmm. and uh, and I've enjoyed uh, walking Hadrian's Wall and the Wainwright Coast to Coast Trail. Um, walking holiday. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably frustrating every time you go somewhere because it's like you're just scratching the surface. And yeah, if you can keep doing it and living longer, you got a better chance of coming back. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, man, that's a uh, that sounds exciting. Like the, the the position you're in and what you're doing and what you're doing to make the outdoors cultivating a passion for it in your students um yeah, is there anything else you want to share with people about you know what you've learned um how you've incorporated into your own career and i we, we do a series called life outside the box for people who have built careers around the outdoors you, you you haven't done that directly but it has absolutely been a part of your development and, and i guarantee your success your passion for this kind of stuff um, it, you're obviously passionate for it, and it seems like you get a chance to talk about that or want to talk about it every chance you get. Um, so, yeah, is there anything else? Yeah, we we should always seek out opportunities to do things that are hard. Hmm. Um, and why not do it in a place that delights um, the mind and is beautiful? Um, with fresh air, you know, why not do that? Why not, if we're trying to learn something or think through a problem, why not take it outside? Um, a lot of times I'll be on a long day's hike and, um, and I'll have cards in my pocket of poems I'm trying to memorize or, um, thoughts that I'm trying to work through. And, uh, it gives me a lot of time to think through those things. Uh, we have a we have a Shakespeare festival here, as I mentioned, that won a Tony Award, and and so I've um, 
I didn't grow up loving Shakespeare. You know, that was something quite different to me. But mm. but I've become, um, through the exposure to it and getting to know the actors well and and seeing some of the the really neat lines in a lot of the plays, I've I've really learned to uh, I've really learned to love a lot about it. So when we summit a mountain, then I've got some portion of the speech from Henry V. <laughs> Everybody's uh, because my pockets are full of all these things that I'm trying to learn and to memorize. That's a really good. It's uh, a really good idea, you know. I, I like to listen to either music or or a book. I love I love listening to John Muir while I'm outside. Um, anything yeah. that he's written, but that's a really great principle to go by. And uh, you know, if if you have if you have the ability and can create the ability to get outside and and not just wait for those big experiences, but fit it in where you can, then the rest of us really don't have an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. And here, I'll give you my favorite line of Henry V. Yes. Uh, and I, I could do it. I could do a much longer piece of it, but I'll just give you the closing part. And if it would have been written today, you know, it would have been more gender neutral, I'm sure. <laughs> But it goes like this, and gentlemen in England now abed will think themselves accursed they were not here, and hold their manhoods cheap while any speaks that fought with us upon St. Crispin's Day. And then I always change the words, you know, if it's Labor Day, uh, uh, gentlemen in Cedar City now abed <laughs> that hiked with us on Labor Day. Uh, unfortunately, too many of us don't take advantage of it. You know, Mason, we have... Um, I'm, I'm um, getting on a small tangent, but we have students from 60-some-odd countries around the world uh, at our university, and it always amazes me when a student shows up, um, whether she grew up in Beijing or uh, perhaps Hong Kong or New York City, um, and when they get to Southern Utah University, they see stars for the first time in their lives. Can Holy you imagine cow. that? Uh, you know, that it makes eight, perfect sense, but I never would have thought about that. You can't see them. You can't see them in these big cities. They've never seen stars in their life. Um, that and, is unbelievable. Um, and they've never seen snow in their lives, or they've never seen sandstone. Or we go outside and they're a little bit scared about the animals, the animals that are more scared of us, of course. Stars, just something as simple as seeing the stars. Golly. And, and um, honestly, y'all are one of the best places in the entire country to see that. So good for them to be there. Yeah, one of the best places of all are between where I live and where you live. This whole yep. this whole vast region of pretty pretty good for that well uh mr wyatt i i appreciate you being on the show um i honestly think we could talk a lot longer i i your, your passion <laughs> is just contagious i love it i just i live for this and i want you to keep inspiring students because that's exactly what got me on the track that i'm that i'm on and 
never looking back. So keep doing what you're doing yeah. and keep, keep building grit. That is, that is absolutely important. I think it's absolutely missing in so many places today. Lots of quitters out there. A lot of, yeah, there are. And it's, it's sad. It's almost encouraged. Yeah, actually you're right. It almost is encouraged. And, and we, we do everything to protect. I, the night before we started this grand to grand 170 mile race, first race I've ever been on, I sat down and, and, uh, wrote the names of all of my ancestors who walked across the plains from, uh, Illinois or Ohio or wherever it was all the way to Utah, which was commonplace, you know, Yeah. back in the 1800s, it was the way everybody came West. And, um, some of them, um, were five years old. Got a great, great grandpa that was five years old and walked all the way, thousands of miles. And today, that would be considered child abuse. <laughs> we, we have yeah. almost, I mean, I, I had ancestors that lives were in jeopardy because they got caught in early storms, uh, in the wild, stormy reaches of Wyoming. And, uh, but for being rescued, they would have not made it. But they developed a strength that that people don't necessarily develop today. And partly because we've tried to make our world so sanitary, so safe. Nobody fails. Everybody wins. And we just don't develop strength of character that way. We just can't do it. And so I, I think that's contributing this this overly sanitized, overly safe, secure. Uh, at universities, we sometimes call them helicopter parents, you know, that are always making sure their oh, kids yeah. are taken care of. That was a term when I was in school as well. Yep. We, ha- we have a new term, and it's called um, lawnmower parents. <laughs> so instead of, just, instead of just hovering, they wipe out every obstacle. They take care of every difficulty in their child's path. And um, we're creating uh, weak people when we do that. There's got to be a chance of failure. And there actually has to be failure. Uh, because I, we learn more from our failures than our successes. Well, you, you talking about grit. I mean, that's, that's ingredient number one for grit is just falling flat on your face. Failure. And That's it right. took a failure, long right. time for me to learn that failure is failure is absolute fertilizer for growing my my dreams. It is not yeah. It is not opposed to it. It is absolutely in conjunction with it. That's a great line, Mason. Failure is fertilizer. I I, I just worry about about um, about all of this. You know the 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 incident of anxieties and depression. Um, seems to continue to grow. Mm. Why do you think that is? Because you get to see that. It, it's, I agree, and I've heard it from other people um, that are looking at our generation and saying they're, they're smart and have learned a lot quickly, but they're also incredibly fragile. Suicide rates in adolescence are up. Shockingly, scaringly up. Um, the number of students that go to college... I was talking to a, um, a psychiatrist who works at a medical school at a university. 
And she said that more than half of the medical students who have seen a mental health provider on a one-on-one um, session, mm. you would think that medical students would, you know, be used to tough environments. And um, but but we're not. We're in some ways we're quite fragile. We need to we we need to find opportunities to put ourselves in a little bit of risk of failure that requires us to work hard, forces us along the way. Um, most important thing. My my dad, we, we talked about his experience in studying math. He he told me that uh, he had a friend that, that math came easy for. All of the subjects at school came easy for him. But by the time they both graduated, my dad had developed the ability to stick with projects and became a very successful engineer. And his friend had never developed the ability to stick with projects and struggled and never actually became very successful um, because of that. He was a reasonably successful person, of course, but you give him a project that take that took two or three years and he just couldn't do it. He couldn't stay on it that long. Mm. I, 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 uh, we keep wrapping around Mason to the same thing. It's, we live in a particularly difficult time of life where I can get in a car and drive to my work. Um, all of my clothes are built for the environment I'm in. I don't have to spend any time outside. When I was growing up, um, there was no air conditioning in cars, you know, at least we had to be miserable when we were in a car. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah. Today things are pretty nice, and so and social media is constantly showing us that somebody else has more friends, and somebody else is more loved, has a more charmed life. These are some of the reasons why um, anxieties are up: is that we're protected from failure, too much social media, too much comparisons with others. There's probably a lot of reasons, but social media is definitely part of those reasons. A lot of good in social media. I it's helped me remain connected to cousins that I don't see otherwise. Hmm. But we're in a very fragile world, and we have got to find ways to challenge ourselves to develop that strength. Sounds like the outdoor, the outdoors is an incredible conduit for that. It is an incredible conduit. Yeah, it is incredible. Well, you uh, have a productive day and. Uh... If you can't get outside yourself, at least keep inspiring people to, to do it. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you again. All right, yes, sir. Have a good one. All righty. All right. See you. Bye. Bye. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you know somebody that would make a good guest on the show, or if you have a pretty cool story about the outdoors or adventure sports that you want to tell us, please call us and leave a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. That is 812-624-5763. You can also send us an email at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Again, it is always helpful to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can give five bucks a month at patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast and links for all that stuff is also in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and y'all get out there and do something so you can be on the show one day. All right, later. Don't forget if you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food you're ever going to eat, go to peakrefuel.com and use ASP 20 at checkout.